0: Wow, it couldn't be a more perfect setup for our text today. We're in Luke 5 27 through 32, and it reads like this after this Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. Wow, this has been a a fun journey so far. We're walking verse by verse and segment by segment through the book of Luke. Luke is one of the gospel books in the New Testament of the Bible. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each one of these books is written with a particular audience in mind. Luke is written and funded by this guy. Named Luke, but funded by Theophilus, this gentleman who wanted to know for certain that Jesus was who he claimed to be. so this book is written to uh, to prove the certainty that Jesus is the Son of God and that he had the power to do the things that he did. but it also gives us an example and a challenge as human beings, as people, uh, what our role is in community, and this particular segment really explains Jesus' mission, right? He did not come for the healthy but the sick. He came to call sinners to repentance. And uh, so we have this weighted emphasis of what Jesus is about. And you and I are given the mission, the same mission as well, to call those who are far from God to start on a journey of pursuing God. That's why we say at Open Life our, our, our mission is people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, not an organization leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus, not uh, you know a pastor leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. It's people leading people. Like life on life is what this thing is about, called life. And uh, specifically we'll look a little bit more about what is this thing called repentance as we draw towards The conclusion of the talk today. Interesting how Jesus paints kind of a what He's not about picture at the conclusion there. Have you ever thought of that? I I mean, some people are all about what they're not about, bloggers. You know what I'm saying? There's like a lot of people who can really be clear about what they're not about, but they really have no idea what they're about. I like that Jesus hits on both sides, what He's not about and what He's about. And that's very important because what happens there is sometimes our purpose is made clearer by what we're not about, but we do still need to know what we're about. It's the shock factor of what He's not about that calls attention to Him when He says He's not about the righteous. And who's confronting Him? That day's righteous, these Pharisees and teachers of the law. Just days ago, a week ago, uh, uh, an Assembly's God pastor uh, did a wedding for uh, Kanye and Kim, and I, I happened to follow him on, on Twitter. This image went out, and there was all kinds of media about this, this uh, moment that happened, right? They're like, uh, Assemblies of God Pastor does Wedding for Kim and Kanye. And they were like, how could a pastor be a part of their lives? And it was like the same shots Jesus was taking in this text. It was very interesting. I really liked some of the titles. They're like, hot pastor does wedding for Kim and Kanye, you know. It's like, okay, okay, yeah, I mean, you know, he's got a little Leonardo DiCaprio in him, doesn't he, right there? But it was kind of hilarious that he's a youth pastor, right, in Miami, and, and uh, his dad's really well-known in church world, has been an evangelist and pastor for years and years and years, and it's just so interesting to uh, see the media take shots at a pastor who does a celebrity wedding. I don't know. I think that's exactly where Jesus would be today. Right? I mean, wouldn't he be reclined at that table? I, I just look at this and go, here, is, is, it a, is it a sin to have a celebrity that's a friend? And it's just entertaining because a lot of those who were taking shots were not the secular media. The comment fields were filled with Christians. And that's a really sad commentary. And the same commentary we read about today. See, here's the problem. We get caught in following religious traditions instead of really renewing our mind and just looking at, okay, let me take a new look at how Jesus lived. At what Jesus modeled. At what life He was commissioning us to live as well and challenging us. Where did He want us to be in culture? And, and, and we need to renew our minds. We need to kind of shake things up a little bit because I think sometimes we do what we've always done or been taught to do, and sometimes when it gets down to it, we don't know why we're doing it. And if we went back and we read a passage like this, our weird meter, As a, the, if somebody's followed Christ for generation after generation, you read Jesus eating and drinking. Your weird meter's going off. Well, well, it had to have been like uh, apple cider. It couldn't have been. It uh, couldn't have been a, a beverage. You know those beverages. Uh, you know, and you kind of start having to justify why you're uncomfortable. Right? We're just reading the Bible. We're not throwing anything additional in. And uh, it does definitely say that he was eating and drinking. In fact, you know, he was accused of being a glutton, which means one or two drinks, maybe. You know, I just think about this. Um, we, it, it, I think we need to, to applaud those like Rick Wilkinson, Jr., who somehow had a relationship, a favor with somebody who's very visible in culture and can just love them for who they are as people. No agenda. Just love to love. We love because He first loved us. And we should be applauding them. And we should be praying for them. Because you know what? They're probably going to get sh- people taking shots at them that you and I don't get necessarily. And we just got to learn how to uh, really support them in being in a very visible place of ministry. Because otherwise, the worst thing would be if all of a sudden then they're visible and they succumb to just like retaliate on all those being mean to them or whatever, you know? And, uh, and then it becomes publicly ugly. That We, we got to figure out how do we live for Jesus and how do we see... Uh, these accusations and what's going on. How do we look and go, what's the true form Jesus was teaching his disciples to follow here? You know, Jesus shows up and he eats with people and he drinks with people and, and he's reclined at this table and, and he's not partaking in excess. We know that because it's laid out throughout scripture that that's sinful. So he's not really a glutton, but he was in a place of being accused of one. He was in environments that allowed him to be accused, and so we've got all these like, but wait, I thought we're supposed to avoid the appearance of evil. Yeah, yeah, but love leads us into some places that sometimes have a lot of risk involved. Look at how Romans 12.2 should be read different or interpreted different or result in a different mindset. Romans 12 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If it it bothers you to read that Jesus drank and ate and to think that you're supposed to be in some of those same venues potentially… or, or public arenas that may seem compromising to others, and to think you're supposed to be a Christian and be in those places on mission, if you will, maybe it's time we reevaluate whether we're practicing tradition or following the way of Jesus. Maybe it's time, as a friend of mine used to say, we get a checkup from the neck up and sit here and go okay yeah maybe i need to renew my mindset i think oftentimes i read i read for years romans 12:2 and thought yeah when when somebody follows jesus they need to renew their minds and get their life together but in the last 4 years since starting a church and being involved in culture and community and finding myself uh, feeling like i'm walking an edge that i used to not walk when i was a traditional church pastor i was like oh, man, it's my mind that needs to be renewed. Because the more I see what I'm doing, I'm doing things that are very, very biblical and very, very modeled by Jesus, but my peers or other pastors don't necessarily always agree what I'm doing in the name of the gospel. We have to balance. Well, you know, are there, are there people around us supporting us? or Do we have a covering? Do we have accountability? Jesus was found right in the center of the celebration and the culture. And the Pharisees were those who, who were scribes and they had people who wanted to be very religious in society, but a Pharisee in its culture in this scene was the religious people who, who admittedly made up additional rules beyond the law to follow that favored them being continuing to be hierarchical religious ruler of the day because they saw themselves, if they could make rules beyond what God desired, but yet in line with what God desired, these rules of holiness that they would put in place and put upon people that would weigh people down, but yet made them seem more religious. So, they would create these rules and demand that all the people around them follow these rules and uh, found themselves actually being very religious, but not very Christ-like, so much so they didn't recognize Jesus right in front of them, the promised Messiah, of the Word that they knew very well of, but they were so busy practicing their practices that they missed why they were practicing them in the original first place, and that was to be prepared for the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God, to come. Very interesting to me. I could geek out on this stuff. That's why I gave you a blank sheet today. You have a blank sheet today because this is not a non-blank sheet, or this is not a fill-in-the-blank talk. This is more of one of those that gets you thinking and going, man, do I have the courage to learn from Jesus? Do I really want to do what Jesus did? Because He did some things that were not expected. And He's probably going to call us to do some things, that are not expected as well, like walk around with tape on the bottom of your your feet, because that's… I'm ADD enough that that would bother me eventually to lose a shoe and walk around. The reason I'm not wearing a shoe today is for this reason. Anyway, um, will we do what Jesus did? Let's jump in. I've got just some thoughts that came to me. Instead of points, I wanted to think today, and I wanted to get you thinking. About how you've walked out this thing called the faith, or how you've questioned the faith. Some of you are at a different place on the journey. You might be thinking, "Yeah, why am I in this room with Jesus? Because I'm one of those sinners they're talking about. I know what I did yesterday. You know, (laughs) like you know, that's just kind of honestly. If we're all truthful, we all sin. So if we can admit that. Um, But the the reality is like where are we in this journey, and and are we ready to just look at Jesus and go, man, I should be more like Him, potentially. The first thing that caught me is the first two words, after this. That's the setup for our text today, after this. So, what's it after? You should always ask that. If I'm reading through Scripture, I'm always like, if I see a therefore, what's it there for? right? You got to go look. You got to go back a little bit. So, after this, so as a reminder, what, what, what is this after? He just demonstrated his willingness to heal the sick. He demonstrated his willingness to give salvation to someone, which the religious rulers saw as blasphemy, and, and, and then he uh, showed his willingness to heal and save people, and so he was in more of like a synagogue worship environment. And after this, which was an exercise of discipline, you know, him doing what was needed, he finally got back to what he came to do, and that was to go out into the town, eyes open, and do ministry spontaneously, which we read about over and over again. All these interruptions that turn out to be beautiful in the texts of the Gospels. Jesus got back to what He came to do, and that was to reach others, to be present with others, to eat and drink with sinners as the Pharisees and teachers of the law so clearly pointed out. Now, obviously, let let me clarify. Let me give a little definition of what I'm talking about here. Um. The whole drinking deal is interesting, right? I I personally, I don't drink. And so it really ticks me off that we don't get invited to parties where there is drinking because they think it offends us or like we'll stumble. That's not the case whatsoever. Um, And so I'm offended when not invited if there's drinking. Um, I'm a little different that way, get really man. And then uh, Phil left out and judged almost on an opposite way that most people will judge. Uh, I don't because it was just like a really bad habit for me. So why in the world would I do that again? And, uh, and just, uh, but I'm not judging those who do drink. The Bible gives plenty of license for that, right? The Bible also says we need to live according to the law. So students, your hopes just were dashed. Uh, 21 years old is the mark. And parents, by the way, uh, you're supposed to live according to the law too, so you can't give your kids alcohol until they're 21. We live in America. Move to another country if you want to do that. So, uh, but that's kind of the way we roll. and uh, But that's just clear. Well, that's what the Bible talks about. I'm not going to go into that lesson today. You can go back and listen to like an FAQ series way back when when we answered that in detail with passages. But we don't judge. I don't drink, but I don't judge, right? Um, there's place for a higher calling of not partaking in things like uh, any beverage or alcohol or any of that. So, there's like we need to give leniency to every, everybody. And as somebody who doesn't drink, I've never been in a room with people who drank and even drank to excess where I felt I offended them or they offended me. So, that's all just a big confusion in our head. It's a, it's a tradition passed down if we thought you shouldn't. I'll just be clear and say that. That's like the take in Scripture could you be accused of having questionable friendships and being in wrong environments like this? Now, some of you, in my, you, know, you, you, you may be right where I'm at, and you're like, putting you in a bar would be just the dumbest thing in the world, right? <laughs> so, because that's your temptation. So you need to know yourself. You need to know where you're finding yourself and, and what places of ministry, whether that's the enemy trying to tempt you or whether that's like God trying to lead you. But we need to not judge people. We need to support them and, uh, and really realize the strength Jesus went out in, and we need to be that strong before we go into questionable places of service. What am I saying? Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days, baptized by John the Baptist, and then went into ministry. Like, he was pretty close to God. He could interpret the will of God. He knew whether he should accept the invite to the party of Levi or not, right? He knew that what what he was supposed to do in this scenario. You know, dude, it's really a questionable environment, your home. I'm not going to go there. He wouldn't have called Levi in the first place if he wasn't going to go to his home. But I just look at this and go, he was in a really, really healthy, strong place. He started having, at this point, he had disciples present with him. He had accountability. Notice the Pharisees questioned the disciples, and Jesus. Why are you guys eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? So there was accountability. But he went out. We need to continue to do gatherings and groups to equip ourselves and to have accountability around us and be encouraged so that we can tell stories about going out and be prayed up and covered when we go out and do ministry, whatever that looks like. See, I think ministry looks a lot more like a job. I think ministry looks a lot more like a commute or owning a business or uh, helping the needy. I think ministry looks a lot more like going to a community barbecue or, uh, you know, I think think ministry looks a lot different than for generations we thought ministry was, well, I got to sing or preach. What can I do? right? That's not the only ministry. Ministry is using the gifts in you to bring glory to God, whatever those gifts are, and the relationships around you, allowing God to make an impact on those being the influencer. Jesus went out and saw. Again, we hit on this almost every week, but this is His connecting moment, right? He went out into the community, and with His own eyes, He saw Levi. He went out and saw this connecting piece and culture is so critical to be present in community how will we see the need from a closet i wrote in my notes i was trained up when i was little you know just uh, and then veered away from the church but i remember until 4 i think we went to church regularly and i i remember like hearing about a prayer closet i really didn't know what that was and stuff but I remembered it somehow in my mind. I don't remember a lot of things from my childhood, but it was like a continual blackout for me. But anyway, I get to, like literally, but so this moment where uh, I remembered something about a prayer closet, but I remember when I was first in youth ministry and I had leaders. I would try to train them to, to make an impact in like five students' lives. And I called it Chase, and I would encourage them to chase students and, and get into their world and show up at their basketball games and stuff. And they say, man, I'm, and I'd say, who are you chasing? And they would write down like 30 names. I'm like, how in the world can you do that? Like, tell me what you're doing. And they would say, well, every day I sit there and I pray over those names in my prayer closet. And I'd be like, oh, talk to me about that. Well, you know, they spent all their time, all their la- the only labor was on their knees. And that is a gift, the gift of prayer and intercession. But they never got up off their knees and made an impact and went out and saw the real need those students had, what they should really be praying for. What somebody tells you at an altar call or in service or in a group is a lot different than what you see. In their life. I remember going to lunch with a student and he's all alone at a corner table and he looks up to me and he goes, pa- pa- Pastor Thad, um, I'm, not, I'm not very popular at school. And he starts to get tears in his eyes. He's like, um, People pick on me. I'm going, Seriously? And they make their way. I'm eating with him. That day they didn't have any name badges, like visitor badges, so that school gave me the sheriff badge. It was a classic moment. And and it's like, and, and they come over to pick on me. Those guys, they put me in the garbage can. And they walk over to the table and they see the sheriff sitting with them. And I stand up and go, young man, how are you? And they're just like so afraid. It was awesome. I may have sinned, but anyway, it was good. (laughs) How do we know the needs unless we get up off our knees? Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We just read last week in Scripture. We've seen that twice so far in Luke. But he got up off his knees and went out into the town and saw with his own eyes what the real need was. When Mike was praying for encouragement at the altar, it was because of his lunchtime bullies. Little did we know, because why would he confess that? We need to be present in people's lives and see the real ministry at hand. Jesus went out and saw. I've sometimes received some incredible vision while praying, and I've, I, I actually, like, will see things that are going to happen, and they actually happen. Like, real vision from God, and it's the coolest discerning thing in the world, and I'm like, yeah. But more often than that, I see Him show me things in the moment when I'm out and about in community that just knowing His heart and culture and DNA, I'm able to act on His behalf and make Jesus known in a greater way, and it is way more than I receive a vision on my knees that finally encourages me to get up and go out. We've got to pray, and we've got to get up, and we've got to go out and see what's happening around us. Jesus was an opportunist, and so He went out and made things happen, and He calls a tax collector. Let me tell you about the tax collector. Since the third century, there's been this big debate, actually, whether this was actually Matthew. And, and most think he is, right? Matthew Levi. And uh, so Matthew Levi, it's, it's very interesting when you look at this. Um, you know, we're not exactly sure, but, but tax collectors in this day were absolutely despised in culture because they would bid out the job of collecting taxes for a certain area or town, and, and the person who got the bid, the only way they made a living was to squeeze out a little more than they actually had to pay. You know, well, tax collectors today aren't popular either, but I'm just going, if that's your job, it's your mission. I'm just kidding. Okay, maybe you're out of the will of the Lord. I'm just we'll pray for you. No, that, that was in this case. They didn't like this guy. This guy was despised. People didn't talk to him. They certainly didn't approach him. And if they did, they knew he would squeeze a little more out of you. So why would you go up and talk? Jesus, in this instance, does the unthinkable. He approaches someone nobody would ever approach. And with the simple words, he says, follow me. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this. When I was first in church, this guy preached this message called Jesus' Eyes. It was weird, extra biblical, but cool. And uh, I remember that because he would just talk about, you ever meet those people with like eyes that have more life in them than others? He says, what kind of, I, he, his only, and he was preaching on this passage, and he was like, the only way Matthew or Levi, whomever you want to call him, you know, the only way Levi would jump up from this tax table and leave everything and follow him is if Jesus looked at him with those eyes and said follow me and it was just so compelling like a trance like ah, i will follow you know that moment like but but jesus eyes maybe you know somebody like this you're like what is the life in them and then you come to find out it's their relationship with jesus there's life inside of them there's there's biblical support for this thought and i do think it's interesting we should have these jesus eyes right Luke 11 says this, verse 34, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are bad, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be completely lighted as when the light of a lamp shines on you. Shouldn't we be that light in culture? Tell me you've met people like this. And you're just like, what is different? Exodus 34, 29 says it like this. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets, right? Ten Commandments seen. The testimony in his hands, he, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant. And they were afraid to come near him. Ephesians three ten says... God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. In other words, the radiant, the multifaceted, radiant light of God should be made known. I think God wants us to have those Jesus eyes. He wants us to be so radiant in culture around us that we could say, you should come to church with me. You should check this out. And they'll know I should check this out. You know, that that little moment, I will come to church 10 a.m., Bonnie Lake High School. You know, I don't know what it's like, but just the reality of you should should be the one people are questioning, what is different about that person? Because not in a weird way, but in a good way, like I'm drawn to the life in them. Jesus just said, follow me. It was not a perfect moment. It was a very public arena. He was at work I think we get stuck in that trap. No, I'll just wait. You know, Lord, give me the right opportunity to invite them. And, you know, is there ever a right opportunity? So we never approach them. Jesus just went right up, middle work. Everybody paying their taxes, mad at him. And he just walks up and says, follow me. Wow. And this is that next thought that just jumps out to me that we all need to catch. And I think somebody really needs to hear this. And that is the fact that we're all chosen. We're all called. Every one of us. At some point in time in our life, Jesus has in in our life, and maybe you haven't really sensed that that's what has you on this journey yet, but you're chosen. Jesus is calling you to draw closer to Him, to follow Him. Chosen. John 15, 16, Jesus says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. It's the schoolyard pick that maybe you didn't get picked, and so in your mind you still think, I'm not going to get picked. I was the fat kid. I was like chubby until I... I still weighed the same that I used to weigh, but I, like, grew two feet. <laughs> but early on, I used to have a complex that my parents had to go buy, like, adult pants and, like, cut the bottom foot and a half off so that I could fit them around my waist. And I never got picked. I still had a good shot from the three-point line. Anyway, so uh, once they invented that. But I was, like, sitting there. You're, like, they invented the three-point line? You're old. Like, if you remember that, yeah. Yeah, the basketball used to be square, and then, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But they would never pick me. Honestly, I was never picked, and so I did have a complex. When God was calling me, I wrestled with it for a long time, because I'm like, I don't get called. Levi gets called, and you need to hear this. You might think you're the most despised on the planet, or you feel like you know the person who is, God can call you. God can call them. In fact, Levi was so shocked by this moment, he got up, and it says he left everything and followed him. Now, let me bring definition to that really quick, because leaving everything, he obviously threw like this massive party. So, he didn't leave everything. Contextually speaking, he left everything that was familiar. He left his job. He quit on the spot and began to follow Jesus. And so, he left his familiar life and began pursuing a new life with Jesus. He still had a sweet pad and threw a party for Jesus and invited all of his buddies. In fact, there was a point in time in my life where I had to do the same thing. I worked on a floating bar. I was an entertainment coordinator uh, and, and uh, uh, would mix drinks and just you know, there's a lot of parties and women and bad stuff that happened there. And uh, I gave my life to Christ, and I was still working there. And I'd ask for a Coke, and they'd put rum in it. And, and I'd go to the party, and I would do wrong things that I didn't mean to do. And so when I started following Jesus, I realized I need to get out of this environment. So I had to just do... I had to leave everything for the sake of my sanity. Levi somehow has enough courage to invite all of his friends over to his house. He's not only going to sign up for a group when he first comes to church, he's going to host it. <laughs> he's like, come on over, Jesus. Bring your pals and meet my buddies. Jesus calls them others. Luke, when he's writing, says, they went to hang out with tax collectors and others. Perspective is everything, right? Maybe it seems like semantics to you, but it, it's, words matter he says that he was there hanging out with the tax collectors and others. It was the Pharisees and teachers of the law that said tax collectors and sinners, right? They were just labeling the snot out of these people. And I think it's interesting that Jesus doesn't put a label on them. And we need to resist culture's temptation to label themselves. We just need to see opportunity in their life and love them right where they're at. might sound simple, but that's what God's challenging us to do here. Jesus uses their own words in repeating his mission. You know, I did not come for the healthy, but the sick. I did not come for the righteous, but sinners. But he was saying, "I just came so that all people would know. So that all people would know." Jesus was more about reaching than keeping. That's just how he was wired, and we're f- to follow his lead. We're called to to follow, and therefore we're appointed to lead. And these religious rulers were complaining, and worship team, you can make your way on up. I'll, I'll bring you up a little earlier than I thought. These are the religious rulers. These are the Christians who leave comments in the comment fields of stuff online. If you've ever read the comment fields, sometimes it's a bad idea unless you just want to get really angry at people. The judging that occurs there and the throwing of rocks symbolically, as scripture has that story, you know, just the pointing of fingers and and those who would mandate behavior before belief. Just makes no sense. Allow people to believe and just love people wherever they're at on the journey they ultimately, the complainers have ultimately ruined the reputation of Jesus and culture to where Christianity is now one of the outcasts, right? It's like, well, you guys are just haters because you have convictions. No, we, we love people even if they don't share our convictions, right? We should. We cannot just read through these Gospels We must consume them and dwell on them and capture the heart of Jesus so that we can beware of those who want us to be holier than Jesus. Because they'll try to put things on us that don't belong there. We need to reach those around us. And that's why Jesus came, sinners, to repentance. Repentance simply means this, to turn from your path and start towards God. It doesn't mean that there's qualifications to this moment of turning. It just means you turn. Repentance means start a new way, but it doesn't mean you understand all about Jesus, have confessed Jesus as Lord, have been baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. You uh, do everything right. You've read the Bible three times from cover to cover. You have daily devotionals. You've led 10 people to Jesus. You lead a small group. You do… You know what I'm saying? No. Jesus came to call people to a course correct, and that's what you and I have come. Hopefully, we live a life that encourages those around us to course correct like these people with Jesus' eyes with a light that's undescribable, that life is a demonstration that demands an explanation. And I want to kind of pursue this journey they're pursuing, and maybe it'll take them a day, maybe it'll take them a year, but we need to appreciate and value and pray for and love them wherever they're at on the journey. Wherever they're at on the journey. And not just at a predetermined point that we see is valuable enough to welcome them in. It's not a behavior-based faith we live. It's a love-based relationship we have with Jesus. Jesus and his disciples ate and drank with sinners. Could the same be said of us? Matthew 9.13 wraps this same story up with this, says it this way, Go, learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. If I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. We are the modern day merciful. We have to be filled with mercy. Think, am I being merciful in my response? Am I being merciful in my reaction? Whose life are you present in showing the mercy of God? Who are you letting know that they're called, that they're chosen, that God loves them? Who are you helping to turn from a path of destruction? If they've been offended by the religious elite i hope you're showing them you're not that so i'm going to pray for you because you've been given the same mission jesus came with and that's to call people to repentance to a course correct and i want to pray for you maybe today you're the person who needs to correct course and become aware of jesus or maybe a long time ago you corrected your course and you're finally at that spot of going, I thought so, this is the Son of God and I want to put my faith in Jesus. Maybe you're ready just to confess Jesus as Lord and have your life made new. Turned upside down in a great way. But I think more so, we find ourselves as maybe the saints in a room. Those who followed Jesus and we need our minds renewed. Because Living a faith that comes with risks and people judging us and and maybe accusing us of things that we don't feel like we should be accused of is really uncomfortable for us to live that faith. And we just need God's help to make right choices (laughs) that Jesus would make. I want to pray for both groups here. Lord, I thank you for your word. And on the back of our connection card, there's responses, the first of which is, man, today I'm choosing to follow Jesus. And that can mean a lot of different things. For some, that may just mean, okay, today I'm going to start to, I'm going to course correct today. I want to see what it's like to walk towards God instead of running from Him. But others in this room, maybe they've been with you for a while or pursuing you for a while, and they need to cross that line of faith by simply just inviting you into their life as Lord, that they continue to discover what it means to follow you. But that, Lord, all of us in here, you would give us the courage to lead as you did and to encourage one another and pray for one another so that we can go into the places you open doors for us to go. Yeah, even even at times we might be accused of wrongdoing by walking through those doors. But God, if we're in it with accountability and the love of others and, and we're encouraged and we have a prayer covering, we can go into some places and make a great impact in the lives of those who are far from God. Those the religious would call sinners. But God, give us new eyes. So that we would see people as people and not label them any longer. And just love those around us and watch them transformed into your likeness. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.